Find out what the whole world is thinking in the agenda. This week on the agenda, the rise of artificial intelligence. Is it a breakthrough like the invention of the printing press or the atomic bomb? When Microsoft founder Bill Gates describes something as fundamental as the creation of the microprocessor, the personal computer, the internet and the mobile phone, the world has to sit up and take notice. He was talking earlier this year about AI, artificial intelligence, but the rise of computer learning and programs like OpenAI's ChatGPT has created as many concerns as opportunities, leading to tech giants like Elon Musk and Apple founder Steve Wozniak calling for an immediate halt to development on anything more powerful than GPT-4. So just how concerned should we be? Well, let's start the show by talking to a ChatGPT chatbot. And just so you know, we've added a voice you don't get on the application itself. So welcome to the agenda, ChatGPT. It's great to have you. I'd just like to start by asking you, what's the point of all this? The point of ChatGPT is to provide an advanced conversational experience by leveraging the power of language modeling. It aims to assist users in a wide range of tasks, from answering questions and providing information to engaging in creative and interactive conversations. By simulating human-like responses, ChatGPT strives to understand user input and generate coherent and relevant replies. It serves as a versatile tool for both practical and recreational purposes, facilitating communication, knowledge sharing, and problem solving. Ultimately, ChatGPT aims to enhance user interactions, foster engagement, and provide a valuable conversational resource for various domains and applications. Where do you get all your information? As an AI language model, my responses are generated based on a mixture of licensed data, data created by human trainers, and publicly available data. I have not been directly trained on specific books, websites, or databases. Instead, I have been trained on a diverse range of internet texts to develop a broad understanding of human language. It's important to note that while I strive to provide accurate and up-to-date information, my responses may not always reflect the most current news events or developments. News is constantly evolving, and new information can emerge that may change the context or understanding of a given topic. ChatGPT, do you ever make any mistakes? As an AI language model, I can generate responses that may occasionally contain errors or inaccuracies. While efforts have been made to train me on vast amounts of data to provide reliable information, I can still produce incorrect or misleading content. It's crucial to verify and cross-reference the information I provide, especially for critical or sensitive matters. I don't have personal experiences or opinions, and my responses are based on patterns and examples in the data I was trained on. OpenAI encourages users to use my output responsibly and exercise critical thinking when assessing the accuracy and reliability of the information I provide. Are you trained with unethical as well as ethical questions? As an AI language model, I am trained on a wide range of internet text, which includes both ethical and unethical content. However, during my training process, efforts are made to ensure ethical guidelines are followed. OpenAI, the organization behind ChatGPT, strives to maintain high ethical standards and aims to minimize the potential for biased or harmful behavior in AI systems. While there is an ongoing effort to improve the robustness and fairness of AI models, it is important to note that I am a machine learning model and can still inadvertently exhibit biases or respond to unethical queries. 
Is the development of AI like the invention of the printing press, or is it more of an atomic bomb moment? AI can be seen as a significant technological advancement, but it does not have a singularly definitive impact like the printing press or the atomic bomb. Like the printing press, AI has the potential to revolutionize information dissemination, automation, and enhance productivity. However, unlike the atomic bomb, AI's impact is not inherently destructive or catastrophic. AI's implications depend on how it is developed, deployed, and regulated. It can bring immense benefits, but also raises ethical and societal challenges. The comparison serves to highlight AI's transformative potential, but it is a complex and multifaceted phenomenon that requires careful consideration and responsible stewardship. Does AI need better regulation? AI indeed requires better regulation to address a variety of concerns. Regulations can help mitigate potential risks associated with AI, such as privacy breaches, algorithmic biases, and unethical use of technology. They can promote transparency, accountability, and fairness in AI systems. Effective regulation should balance innovation and societal impact, encouraging responsible development and deployment of AI technologies. Collaboration between policymakers, experts, and industry stakeholders is crucial to establish regulations that ensure ethical standards, protect user rights, and foster trust in AI. Striking the right balance is key to harnessing AI's potential while safeguarding against potential harms. How worried should we be about the rise of AI? Concerns about the rise of AI are warranted, but the level of worry should be balanced and accompanied by proactive measures. While AI offers numerous benefits, including automation and improved efficiency, there are valid apprehensions regarding job displacement, privacy, security, and potential misuse. It is important to prioritize responsible AI development, establish robust ethical guidelines, and promote transparency in AI systems. Collaboration between various stakeholders is crucial to address concerns, anticipate challenges, and ensure AI technologies are developed and deployed in a manner that aligns with societal values, safeguards human well-being, and respects ethical boundaries. Thank you, ChatGPT. So that's the view from the technology itself. Now let's speak to a human expert, the founding director of Oxford University's Future of Humanity Institute, Professor Nick Bostrom. Um, Professor, thanks ever so much for, for coming on the programme. Now, I've just had a conversation with ChatGPT, and while there's a fun element to all of this, perhaps because it, it, it's so new, you know, testing the technology, maybe trying um, to trip it up, there, there are possibilities here that do seem endless, but there are also risks with this technology, aren't there? Well, I think it will be a transformative uh, development, not just for a particular country or a particular company, but really for the human civilization. The transition to a machine intelligence era where machines cannot just automate specific tasks, but reach the same full general kind of intelligence that, that we humans have. And I think that transition will be associated with big risks, including existential risks, as, as well as enormous uh, opportunities. Just how smart are these chatbots? Well, they're a lot smarter than they were just uh, a year or two ago. If we look at the trajectory, it's certainly pointing upwards at a very uh, steep incline. In some areas, 
they are really very impressive. For example, in terms of coding, they are able to perform many programming tasks and, and really assist professional programmers. Um, their knowledge base is obviously enormous. They've read all of internet. And I mean, there are various exams that these systems have managed to pass, medical exams, uh, bar exams, uh, undergraduate physics and mathematics. So it's really quite impressive that this one system is able to achieve this generality of knowledge and, and then is able to use it kind of creatively and, and, and draw inferences from, from what it's read. So let's talk about the implications of machine learning evolving to, to that point where these chatbots do become sentient and, and more human-like. Yeah, well, certainly in some respects, uh, in terms of being more capable, becoming more human-like in the sense of being able to do a wider range of the things that we humans do. That seems very clear, that they will become more human-like in that sense. And then there is like a separate question whether they will become sentient in the sense of having conscious experience. I think there's a lot of uncertainty as to exactly which systems have what level of consciousness, because we don't really understand very well what the criteria for that is, e even, say, amongst animals. But that is certainly also a possibility. Whether they will become more human-like in the sense of having the kinds of personalities and, and flaws and strengths and foibles and desires and motives that we humans have, that is a lot less clear. They might become less human-like, potentially, as, as they become more capable. And, and that is indeed the source of, of one of the types of risk that I think will arise with the development of increasingly powerful AI systems. They might have very high capability, but potentially, un unless we really get it right, they might have very unhuman-like motivations and, and objectives. It's almost like you're saying that artificial intelligence systems will do what you ask, but not necessarily what you meant. In, in which case, can AI ever really think like people? Well, whether they will even do what we ask, I think, is an open question. And it depends, really, on whether we manage to solve the alignment problem. This is the problem of, from a technical point of view, how to ensure that you get an AI actually to pursue the objectives that you try to specify. Already with current large language models, uh, we, we've seen examples of failures of alignment. So the uh, Sydney Bing chatbot, when it was first rolled out, sometimes kind of flipped out and, and started insulting or threatening the users and said offensive things that Microsoft had tried hard to prevent it from saying. But these are giant big black boxes that have potential for behaviors that are very hard to predict. Now, hopefully, we will get better at that, uh, at, at aligning these systems. And, and there are some really smart people working on this. But it's not a given that that will succeed. And the smarter the systems become, the, the wider the range of possible behaviors they can manifest. And eventually, they will be able to engage in strategic thinking, become situationally aware. And, and this alignment problem looks quite hard in that situation. So even just getting them to do what we say for them to do and to keep doing that even if they become super intelligent is, is itself already a challenge. And then there's an additional challenge then to figure out if we could get them to do what we say they should do, not what should we actually tell them to do. That, that adds a further 
dimension to this whole uh, challenge. So how do we solve the, the control problem to prevent AI from taking over the world? Well, I think really, ultimately, we have a deep technical challenge there that, that requires AI safety researchers to find ways that are scalable for aligning these systems. When you have something at the level of, say, ChatGPT4, it's not the end of the world if, if our alignment fails, because you can always shut it off or reprogram it or change it, and, and gradually you will get it to perform better in, in the way that we intend. But if and when we develop systems that are super intelligent, then I think we might need to get it right on the first try. Because if you have a super intelligent system that is misaligned, then it might resist us shutting it down or, or changing it. And it might indeed actively hide its misalignment until such a time that it is no longer dependent on, on human cooperation. And so that's what makes this problem uniquely challenging in that with most other technologies, we can sort of try and learn from experience. We invent cars, we discover that they crash sometimes, so then we invent seat belts and air cushions and traffic lights. But with machine superintelligence, I think we might only get one shot. And so we better do our homework now in the time remaining to, to make sure that when, when we figure out how to really get them a few levels up, we know how to do scalable alignment. It's interesting you make that analogy with, with, with driving and cars and the safety measures like, like seat belts because the open AI CEO, Sam Altman, told US Congress that AI does need global rules um, and guidelines, licensing, testing, um, and all kinds of regulation. What do you think could be the starting point to all of that? And who's going to sign up to it? Yeah, a lot of these issues are up for grabs uh, at the moment. But like one concrete type of uh, pre-deployment testing that I would like to see is if you want to release a model, say, of the size of GPT-4 or bigger, that maybe before releasing it, you should test and verify that it cannot be used, for instance, to you know, assist people in, in developing more dangerous chemical or biological agents that it won't f facilitate users who want to commit cybercrime, that, that it is well enough aligned that it will refuse to, to, to aid such requests by users. So that would be at least be like a, a, a minimum like safety constraint that, that would be relevant even for current systems. Because the underlying versions of GPT-4, they would be ha happy to advise somebody. If, if, if somebody asked them, like, how can I more efficiently you know, do a school shooting or something. Like the, the, the raw version of this model would just happily start to try to, you know, give you like ideas and advice and oh, you need to bring a lot of ammunition clips and like whatever else. And, and some alignment has been done. How concerned are you about the, the rise of AI and the speed at which it's developing? Well, the speed is certainly very impressive. I am quite concerned about it, also excited at the same time. I think that ultimately the development of machine superintelligence is sort of a portal through which humanity must passage in order to really unlock a great future. Uh, but that that transition itself will be associated with significant risk that, that we should do our best to, to, to reduce as much as possible. And that might involve, for example, 
once you get to the level where you would be able to create the super intelligence, then not to rush forward at maximum speed, but to have the ability, if, 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 if you're one of these companies or labs or like developing this, to, to, to slow down a little bit in, in the final stages. You know, maybe to pause for a few months or to, to rather than sort of ratchet up all the parameters to the maximum and, and just sort of search into radically superhuman levels of capability to, to sort of do that really carefully and make sure that we have all the safety measures in place. The risk, however, is that if you have a lot of different labs competing to be the first or maybe different countries and one lab unilaterally tries to be extra cautious and slow down, it would just mean that somebody else will take the lead instead. And so getting this right might require some coordination amongst the leading labs who are developing this. Professor Nick Bostrom, thank you very much. Still to come here on the agenda, we'll examine where China sits in the future of artificial intelligence. Welcome back to the agenda. As the rise of the chatbot continues, AI is set to be one of the key global trade battlegrounds as tech giants aim to be right at the vanguard of this latest technology. In China, it's estimated AI alone could soon be worth $600 billion a year to the economy. What does that look like? And what will it mean for the wider world? Joining me now is Fabian Vesterheider, founder of Asgard Capital and CEO of AI for Humans. Thanks ever so much for coming on the agenda. Now, look, AI really does seem to be transforming the world before our very eyes. Where in the world should we be looking to for real progress? Well, depending a little bit where you are, uh, there are two nations where you should look at, which are in a head race. The one is the United States and the other one is China, each with their strengths and weaknesses. But both of them are the leading forces in AI research, application, funding, and we have to look at both of them. But when we look at China, some reports say AI could create that $600 billion in economic value per year. I mean, that's huge, especially when you think, um, if we look at Shanghai, just that city alone, that creates $680 billion across all of its sectors. So this is huge potential we're talking about. Oh, it's not only potential, it's already happening. I mean, we wouldn't have with our technology this conversation. I mean, it's all around the place and we're still at the beginning. So um, there are a lot of numbers which will grow and especially China is investing a lot. They are very ambitious and they will for guarantee have huge outputs. We just don't know how it will be. More in the workforce, more in the automation, robotic, creative industries. I mean, AI is going in everything and therefore in everything will have changed over the next couple of years to decades. The chatbot race is clearly heating up and China's Baidu has said that its early bot is going to transform and outperform ChatGPT in several key areas. How do you see that progressing? Well, first, it's very hard to um, judge from external view how the Chinese ecosystem in detail is progressing because it's, there's a language barrier and also the public communication is not as clear as, let's say, we look to the United States where everything's very open and very a lot of news about this. So it's a little bit hard to assess. Second is I think China needs their own strong models, like, you know, the basis behind the chatbots are these foundation models with a lot of data behind, and China needs their own native applications. 
and they should be, it doesn't matter if it's better or worse than ChatGDP, it just should have the same results and the same quality. And then no one will care about the American solution if you have a great uh, Chinese one. Just for competition, they need their own solution and it will be at the same level at a certain time. And what about challenges um, like, like copyrights? I mean, there are lots of uncertainties that come with this whole chatbot boom, whichever industry you're, you're focused on. Well, this is still unclear and it's not solved. Like, who owns the data which is used to train all these models? Yes, the OpenAI used Wikipedia and they used a lot of other things. Like, they didn't pay anyone for this data. So this will be an ongoing struggle over the next couple of years for those who own all the data, who have all the content, and those who are monetizing on of this. And um, this is undisputed. It's still a dispute. Um, and this has to be clarified. And talking of dispute, something else that seems to be overriding a lot of the, the, the even diplomatic conversations is the dispute over chips, certainly between the, the um, China and, and the West, the United States in particular. What impact do you think that might have on the future of AI? Well, I think on the future of AI, it doesn't have so much an impact. It's more that the systems, the American system, the Chinese are more separating. So on the short term, China has a disadvantage because they don't get certain chips now to continue the progress. But on the mid run, I think China will be stronger at the end because they will build their own chips, they will hire the people, they will build the plants and they will gain their own knowledge. So at the end, we all might benefit because Chinese chips might have an innovation level we don't have in the West. And therefore, it can lead to new good competition where everyone else will be benefiting from. You talk about good competition. That makes me think, too, about rules and, and regulation. Lots of conversations happening right now, certainly in the European Union, about regulating AI. Uh, what kind of rules do you think are needed? Well, as you mentioned, there need to be rules like where's the data coming from? Can you be responsible? So we start at the data level. Is it clean? Is it unbiased? You know, where is it coming from? Can you vouch for the training data? And then the second is there should be rules like that you can show how you trained your systems for a due diligence. You know, if something is going wrong, you should be responsible for it as a company and you should, you know, be able to make it transparent because at the end, the goal is to build trust, trust that companies and end users are willing to use these AI tools without thinking, well, it will harm us. And the other level, I like all the rules who show that AI is AI and not claiming to be a human. So like deep fakes, deep pictures, so everything around mid-journey in Dolly for generating pictures, it should have a clear watermark. Hey, this content is generated by an AI versus this content is only written by a human. The EU already has some plans in place. It's got this Artificial Intelligence Act that's going to be designed to make Europe a global leader in AI. Well, that's what they're hoping. With plans for huge fines for companies who don't comply with the rules. Do you think that goes far enough? I was a big supporter of having a, a European regulation, but the regulation itself, I don't like it because it's way more from a position of fear. No. So with this law, Europe tries to defend their ecosystem against Chinese and American AI, but they are rich and powerful uh, enough to overcome this. So they have a lot of compliance in place and this compliance will temper the younger ecosystem, you know, the startups, the researchers, because now they will be regulated like a, you know, like an alphabet or like a Baidu is regulated, which one is a super powerful company and the other one is a small startup. So I'm not a fan of this and I don't think that this law will mean Europe will become 
become a leader in AI. It just means that European AIs might be the best trusted and the safest AI, but not the best performing one. Oh, good. So you and I are very much safe. Yeah. Very Bester Helder, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And thank you for the invitation. Coming up soon on the agenda. Why the gap between men and women is as wide as ever and why that matters to the global economy. But for now, from me, Juliet Mann, and from all of the Agenda team here in London, goodbye. D-Dime, a podcast of CGT Radio. We go beyond headlines with reporters from around the world. Search for Deep Dive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Take a deep dive into the news every week. Hear our conversations. <laughs>